Praise the Lord. I, um, after coming after your pastor speaking, uh, he, he, he's preaching, he's actually preaching the message that God put on my heart, so we can just take the benediction and just... <laughs> but praise the Lord. I just want to say happy Father's Day to our Father God. For he is the perfect father for an example through Jesus Christ that we have. So as men of God and to all the fathers, happy Father's Day to you and continue on strong and being who God called you to be. And I just want to say, um, you know, as I was looking for my dad's card. I was looking for, you know, Father's Day cards, and, and I was reflecting as I was looking for my, my father, Father's Day card. Um, going, I, I came back to that store, the store that I went to before when it was a month ago, Mother's Day. And I remember I was looking for my wife, my mother, and mother-in-law card, okay? And it was, it took up, all the cars took up, I think, an aisle and a half. And the area that has the cross, the subject, or say religious, most of them was gone. Isn't that something? <laughs> and I had a hard time finding a card for my wife, my mother, and mother-in-law. But then, I, a few days ago, I was looking for a car for my dad. And it was in a little section. And I'm like, okay. And it was a whole bunch of cars there. I think more than the cars were together when I went for my mom. Even though it took up an hour, but everything was just about empty. But here I'm looking for my dad, and I, was, I found my dad's car in 30 seconds. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was thinking, Pastor Joe, why is that? Why is it that Mother's Day seems like it's a big bang, but not, not so much for the fathers? And I thought about this. Just, even, just getting greeting cards or getting a Father's Day or Mother's Day card, that can even be a good litmus test for the way society perceives various relationships or just people. I was thinking, is it because us men is not leaders like we should? I don't know. I'm not a researcher. I'm just an observer. But I do want to say this. I know some good fathers. And one that's probably on right now, I know he has to get off real soon, but he's in Michigan right now observing me. My father, Pastor Henry Lee Allen, senior. And if you're watching this, happy Father's Day to you. You are the example of Christ in my life. Been faithful for almost 50 years to my mother in marriage. And I'm so grateful to say I do have men in my life who, who exhumerates that example of Christ. I have a 
best friend back at home in Kalamazoo, Michigan. He's also is one who loves the Lord as well. And my father, who's crazy about the Lord. But there's another person. And you may know this person. This person, he has a wonderful wife, two boys, and he loves his church home. And that is Pastor Joe Miller. I thank God for just these few men, but it's probably more. But I know that that really have blessed me. But I always go back to my Heavenly Father, who never leave me nor forsake me. So we look at the examples, and you may know who is in your life that shows or demonstrates what a good father is. But I do want to say, I am aware of those who have not experienced what I may have experienced. I've always had my father. And I'm very aware of those who may not experience that. And my apologies for that. But I do want to say, if you do know your father and he is alive, you want to give him a call and say, I love you. It's not for just for him, but it's for you. Because where God says honor, it is a blessing on that. And I know because I realize the importance of acknowledging those who I need to honor, and that is my father for Father's Day, but my parents. And so I just want to say that. But I want to talk to the brothers and the fathers, a message to the brothers and the fathers. I know the women are like, okay, what about us? Well, typically because it's Father's Day, but also because the men are called to be leaders in the home. I know that, you know, when the Bible was written, it was a little different as women play roles than it is compared today. Um, and I'm going to go further about, um, regarding that when it comes to the widow and how they structure that system compared to today. today. But want to focus on the leadership of the man. And we know that God has established that even in the beginning in Genesis. I do as we um, want you to turn, and I, I want to I say I apologize because I did not have a PowerPoint, but if you have a Bible or if you have your app, Bible app, you will need to use it. Get your fingers turning, thumbs burning, because we're going to go old school like this. But as we're turning to Deuteronomy 1 and 13, I do want to thank God for Pastor Joe for this opportunity to allow me to stand before you today. So as we turn there, I want you to um, look at what, this is the time of, well, in, in verse 13 of chapter 1, this is the time when Moses and them just embark on the 40th anniversary of them being in the wilderness, which only should have took them 11 days. That's a whole nother sermon. I'm not even going to go into that. But that's, that's hot. So if anybody want to preach that, that's, you can touch that. But, um, so they, at this moment, God told him, now, I need you to choose. And it says in verse 13, choose. And this is Moses saying, but he only saying what God told him. Choose some well-respected men from each tribe who are known for their wisdom and understanding, and I will appoint them as your leaders. 
Now you may say, okay, that, you know, I, I think that I'm that person. That's cool. But this is the job that you have to do. And this is what it says. And if you go to Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21, and it says, and I'm, running, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to those or these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. And what this is saying is, if you are that person that God has chosen as that man of God, God has called us, first of all, to shepherd our homes, to lead our homes, to live the lifestyle of Christ in our home. I'm going to tell you, I didn't reach that standard without Christ. I'm just helping someone like, thank you. I, and my kids, my, my, my daughters and my, my son will tell you that I'm way, way underneath that, that line of standard of Christ. But understand this. I want you to go back and I want you to see where it says, choose some well-respected men. And then he said, I will appoint. God already know about our marred situation, about our mistakes. But what he's looking for is a willingness to be under his authority and power with integrity, as Pastor was saying, and to walk that even when we fall as we're walking, but we didn't change our direction. The one thing I can say is one thing I've always wanted to make sure that I have my household, no matter how messed up I may be, that Christ is always the standard in the house. And I know all my kids understand and know that. But besides that, as pastor was just up, Pastor Joe, you've been in Acts 6 and 7, and we're going to, if you haven't read it, read all of Acts 6 and 7 on your own. We're not going to read that right in here. I know you're like, that would have took up all the minutes. But, um, but please do read that. It's a lot of study, but I'm going to kind of help us. I'm just set up a little bit. Um, because you want to have some background knowledge of what's going on. It's a lot. Actually, Acts is one of my favorite books because it deals with so much of the church, the early church and the community, how a community was established and how it was a move for God. Miracles was happening through people just walking. Uh, uh, I think it was Peter or Paul's shadow. Somebody getting healed. It was just amazing. 
But we're at this point in chapter 6, and this is about, um, the time is A.D. 32, around that time. And from, you know, beginning of Acts up to now, there has been persecutions, there have been arrests from Jewish leaders, but while a miraculous growth was happening with the church. Isn't that amazing? That usually when God is making a move, it may be some issues that's going on because the enemy does not want us or want the church to thrive or to continue the legacy of Jesus Christ. I can get an amen right there. I just want to make sure everybody's alive. Because if, if you're not saying, I think you might be sleeping. So I just want to make sure. Don't, don't nod on me. I might call you out and see if you can read a scripture for me. So <laughs> Y'all looking too comfortable. It's getting warm. They're like, man, Pastor, this is warm. And he's, this, he's monotone. I can get loud, though, if I need to. That's to make sure that we are with each other. Hey, man. I know the father's not sleeping because this is a message for to the brothers and fathers. And so we're up at this point, and now we're about to experience the first martyr of the church. And but before that, wanna talk about there was an issue in Acts 6 where there was a, a situation with a system that went wrong. It's supposed to be, um, well, let me just tell you what the problem was. There was a Hellenist group, they called them the Greek-speaking Jews, and then you had the, the Jews who, who spoke Hebrew, but the Jews who spoke Hebrew was discriminating against the Greek-speaking Jews who were called the Hellenists. And what it was, there was a distribution of, of food to widows, but because of discrimination, some people were not getting or receiving the distribution of the food or resources. And this is the part where I was talking about earlier. Back then, women wasn't able to work for themselves. It was the man, it was the community who would help the, the woman. So if she was married, the husband would provide for the family. If he died, then she would need or she would rely on other resources to help her receive that. Amen? All right? Everybody say amen. Okay. All right. They looked at me like, okay, keep moving, brother. All right, I'm going to keep moving. And so now it was an issue, and the apostles, I mean, the, the, yeah, the apostles, the, the disciples, they could not um, stop what they were doing as they were preparing to preach the word, to teach the word, and they had to meet this need. So they was looking for a few good men, Pastor Joe. And he said, we, we, need, we, need to, um, we need a few good men that can help us with this situation. And as you look in, in verse uh, 3, it says, and so brothers, they said, and, and I'm sorry, I'm in Acts 6 now. Didn't tell you that. So we're looking at Acts 6. Give you a little time to go there. And in verse 3. It says, and so brothers, select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. So they were looking for a few good men. And I was thinking about this movie back in 1991. It's called A Few Good Men, but I know most of y'all probably don't watch movies. Y'all probably... 
you know. But if you do, you may know that the, the two stars of that movie was Jack Nicholson and who else? Tom Cruise. But can somebody tell me the phrase that everyone, I mean, from that movie and still on, the phrase that's used all the time by a character Jack Nicholson played as? Can, say that louder. You can't handle the truth. So my question is, can you handle the truth? Because as men of God, in order for us to be the few good men, we got to handle the truth. Somebody say, ouch. Yeah, that's what happened when I was preparing. It was hurting. And so John 17, 17, you write this down. The scripture says, sanctify them through the truth for thy what? Word is true. In order to be or, or to fit or to be respected, you got to have to learn about yourself first. That don't feel good because the stuff that a lot of times I'm running from is what I don't want to hear. And God is going to check me. He's going to check us. Why? We men, we can handle it. We front line. We have our wives or we have others and, and we'll have our jobs. We have our children or whatever capacity we're leading in. They are watching us. And I can tell you, I failed many a times. But one thing I thank God for is this word, repentance. <laughs> and keep moving. The truth is what you have to handle. And so within that um, group, there was a there's one man I want to um, talk about today. Am I, I'm getting some feedback. Am I getting? Okay. Um, there's one man out of that, the, the seven men, and, and I want you to focus. It's, it's, I mean, don't focus so much on this, the, the term seven as in looking at the, in a literal standpoint, it was seven men, but God is always speaking through even a number system. It's always when you see the number seven, means completion. So he was saying we got seven men who can complete this work, okay? And so one of those men was Stephen. And in verse 5 it says, everyone liked this idea and they chose the following, Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. We're going to pull on Stephen. Stephen, what you have to say. So I want to jump over to chapter 7 real quick and keep your finger at chapter 6. And this is what Stephen is going to say to us in verse 2. This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. And so we're going to listen to you today, Stephen. All right? And we're going we're gonna to talk about what all the events that led up to that moment. But I just thought it would be right for him to just say, look, I'm about to say something to all of all the brothers and the fathers. Isn't that awesome? He's speaking right there, and it's coming out of Scripture. And so before he gets to this, there was a prerequisite of, or for um, Stephen to be this leader. He had to, in verse 5, it said he had to have godly character, good reputation, 
Moral integrity, I think Pastor Joe just said that. We are well respected. We saw that in Deuteronomy with Moses choosing the leaders, full of faith in Christ, in Christ Jesus, and filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. Okay. He had to have that first. And then as he was now walking and serving, because the first thing as us leaders, once we have that prerequisite, as we have that in our heart, then we can serve to spread the gospel. We can serve to spread the gospel. If you don't know, that's the first point. If you're from, um, if you're from uh, some, some seminaries, they will say a movement. Um, and so either point or movement, the first one is serve to spread the gospel, okay? And that is in verse 6, I mean, verse 7 of chapter 6. And it says, So God's message continued to spread the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So his first job, Stephen's first job was to serve Remember, they were having an issue with distribution. He served. And he did never complain about how to serve. He just served. And this is our stance as men of God. We should always make sure that when we serve, we're serving to please God, not man. 1 Corinthians 15, 11, Paul said it like this. And this is the TLB version. It makes no difference who work the hardest, I or they. The important thing is that we preach the gospel to you and you believed it. And so here, and I'm going to talk about what the gospel means in a second. But I just want to set this point up. So it doesn't matter what, or what you're receiving it's not about you. It's not about us. It's about Christ Jesus in everything that we do. And I'm not expecting to get too many amens from my brothers because this is going to check us, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> and so, Stephen, then I'm going to give you the second point, and we're going to go back to these points. The second point is then you will stand firm on the gospel. Now note that Stephen was then challenged by people who believe they love God, but then they couldn't handle the truth. And so when Stephen, in, um, I believe it was in verse 10, I'm sorry, yeah, verse 10 of 6, none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. Because Stephen was what in verse, it said that he was filled with the, the Spirit of God, right? The Holy Spirit. And it said, and the Spirit that was with him, they could not stand against him. It was not Stephen, it was because the Spirit that's on the inside. See, when you have the Holy Spirit and you're doing God's will, do you know the devil can't do nothing with you? Nothing with you. And when you move according to his way, 
the devil has to get out the way, but he's going to give some distractions. This is what was going on with Stephen. And then Stephen became a martyr. Now, I gave you the third point. Suffer for the gospel is the third point. Now, I want to go to chapter 7. Because all of this, he was um, now being persecuted. Um, he was serving, and then when he was serving, he was being persecuted, okay? And then in verse 11, and I'm going to go to 7. I, I, I didn't say this part. This is important. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. Do you know there's a lot of haters? And, and they says they will try to stop you from doing God's will because they may be jealous or whatever it is. In, in Mark 15, 10, um, a Pontius Pilate, and it reminds me of Christ, Pontius Pilate saw the, the, the religious leaders trying to kill Jesus. But it said in parentheses, he knew then that they envied Christ. It's right there. Look at Mark 15 and, and 10 whenever you have time. But they envied Christ. I wouldn't doubt that this is the same situation because he is standing on the word of God and standing firm on the gospel. And then it leads to suffering. But they led him or they lied and then now he was turned to the council, the high council. And now in chapter 7, the high council asked Stephen, are these accusations true? Me, I would have said, man, no, they're not true. He didn't care about himself. He cared about the truth. So they had an accusation that was false. He's about to give a true accusation in Christ by his word. And he mentioned the leaders of Israel. In the beginning, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he talked about Joseph, who was the ruler over Egypt. Moses, who was God's appointed leader. King David, who found favor with God. And that's in verse 46 of 7. And then King Solomon, who built the temple. Then he goes on talk about the temple who came down and he allowed himself to get tore down and he built up the temple in three days by his resurrection. That's Jesus. All of that. And what led to this moment, and before we get to that, is because he stood on the truth. He spoke the gospel. What is the gospel? Robert Charles, the late Robert Charles Sproul, we, we know him as R.C. Sproul, says in New Testament terms, the gospel is the proclamation of the person and work of Jesus Christ, plus how the benefits of that work can be appropriated to us by faith and by faith alone. I'm going to say that again. In the New Testament terms, the gospel is the proclamation of the person and the work of Jesus Christ, plus how the benefit of that work can be appropriated to us by faith and by faith alone. Apostle Paul 
said it like this. He gave us the main or basic ingredients of the gospel. And that's in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. But he said, it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that he said, without preaching the gospel, his preaching is empty. So our work would be empty if we're not living out the gospel. And so here, we have to serve to spread the gospel. We have to stand firm on the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 15, the TLB says, with all these things in mind, dear brothers, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the truth that we taught you in our letters, in our letters, all right? And during the time we were with you, he said, keep a strong grip. And I think about when I'm on, I, I, I don't know if y'all know about this place. Y'all may know about Six Flags, but it's a place called Cedar Point. Oh, yes. Yes. All right. That's roller coaster world. I mean, it's, yes. So when I'm on a Millennium Force, if, if, you, if you know what I'm talking about, yes, come on. Especially the dragster. Yeah, now I'm getting some amen. Now, I, and that wasn't even on my paper. That's the Lord right there. He knew what I was going to give. So when I'm on the dragster, too, if it's not broke down when I get up to the line, it, yeah. <laughs> it goes 105 miles per hour. And I'm holding on to dear life. Why? Because of the wind resistance. So I'm holding, I'm like, And it's over. You're like, whoa. That's my thought when the scripture says, keep a strong grip. Men, it's not going to be easy. Fathers, it's not going to be easy because the kids can go crazy. They so cute and, oh, they're so cute. Oh. But then they, they, they get 16. They just like, mm. Don't talk to me no more. You're like, what? How'd this happen? And then the next day, I love you. You're going to have to hold on to dear life. Because you're like, what is going on? Then God said, you did that to me. And you're like, oh. But you got to hold on to dear life. Hold on to the truth. And then as you serve to spread the gospel, stand firm on the gospel. And then the last thing, suffer. For the gospel. Mm. I want to look at um, in chapter 7, he says some offensive stuff, <laughs> if you don't. And in verse 52, that's 51, 51, chapter 7, I don't need everyone looking at this. You stubborn people, ooh, wow. You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. There you go. He said you can't handle the truth. That's what he said. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. 
They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately, not accidentally, but deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you receive it from the hands of angels. And the Jewish leaders was infuriated by Stephen's accusation. See, he had an accusation. And his accusation was true about them. And they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus not sitting this time, We've seen in all other scriptures where Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. But notice this. Jesus was standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. When you stand on the word of God and you suffer for God's sake, he will stand with you. Letters to the Church by Francis Chan said this. In China, I saw the gospel spreading like a wildfire as people endured and enjoyed and even rejoiced in persecution. He said, and it brought me to tears, that American, America, we don't know how to suffer for the gospel. He's over in China. If you know how China is, they cannot go out and have a congregation like this. A lot of it's underground. You will be even killed if you come with a Bible like this and not their Bible of their system, the government system. He said he couldn't have a, a conversation with them because they bragged about persecution. They boast about their brothers and sisters who were martyred. And they're rejoicing. I can't understand that because I haven't experienced that. I want to leave with you with this last thought. Peter We know he was one that suffered. As men, we can't, we must be careful of compromising, especially in this government, things that's going on. We are living in a time where suffering is coming. If we allow us, if we stand on the word, It's going to come in a way we can see it just with legislative laws that's now being implemented. That's totally against the word of God. Are you willing to suffer by your political party for the sake of the gospel? I don't care if you're the donkey or the elephant. But I know I'm one that's by the lion of Judah. I'm not an elephant or a donkey, but I'm lion of Judah. I'm Christ's born. And what about if your fraternity or sporty wants you to do something 
and it's against the word of God. Are you ready to suffer? Your best friend. Your job. Hmm. But Peter said this in second, uh, first Peter, uh, second chapter, 20 through 25th, 25 verse. And he said, of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure, endure it patiently. God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor even deceived anyone. He did not retaliate. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. Nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins on the inside of his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for being an example of a true father. Throughout your whole Bible is your story of how you had lost your children. And this story from Genesis to Revelation is about how you reconcile back how you forgave and you reconcile because you do not believe in a father being separated from his children. Thank you. Lord, you are a great God. We want to be like you, but help us, Lord. Help us to be the man, the father, you called us to be. We know that we can't do it without you. We heard that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we remind, reminded of Peter who wrote this, this uh, passage that he was filled when he preached the sermon, filled with the Holy Spirit, and 3,000 came. Let that be us, Lord God. Let our lives as men, as leaders, impact the world as it was in Jason's home in Acts where the apostles turned to hit that house, that world upside down. That's what they talked about. Let that be us men. You're looking for a few good men. You're looking for many men. 
And Lord, I pray that we will get it right if we haven't with you. Lord, I thank you for that your grace and mercy never runs out. And I pray that the men will hear the message to the brothers and the fathers to serve, to spread the gospel, to stand firm on the gospel, and to suffer for the gospel. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.